Good evening. And if you're just tuning in, you are listening live to the Angel Rock. I'm your host, Laura Lee Potvin. You are listening to us on 105.3 out of New Orleans, Louisiana. You can also watch the show either on UFO Paranormal Radio Network on Facebook or our YouTube channel. We have another YouTube channel, Extraterrestrials, wait, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials. And numerous other places where we're streaming, such as LinkedIn and what have you. But I mentioned the UFO Paranormal Radio Network because if you go there, we can see your comments. And as always, if you've been to the show before, I love to make you part of the show. And if you've got comments or questions, again, if you haven't been to the show before, welcome as well as returning guests. I say I cover all aspects of the supernatural, paranormal, the esoteric, spiritual, and a little bit of truth-seeking thrown in there, as well as the guests that I have on are from all walks of life and what they're doing, either professionally or extracurricularly, they're making a positive change for humanity. little bit about myself, if you haven't been here before, I am a Canadian clairvoyant medium, crystal Reiki energy healer, Akashic Records practitioner, a spiritual teacher and mentor, and my muggle job, I'm a registered nurse. Now we have an amazing guest for you this evening. As always, all my guests are amazing. Sorry, I'm a little biased. I got to chat with her a little bit last night, and I've been super excited for this conversation, so I know you're going to enjoy her, but let me read her bio a little bit too. Her name is Sonia, and she is a Canadian author of many book series, uh, such or the one book series, I should say, Tinny, The Warrior Princess. She's also here. We're going to talk about the 13th chakra system of ancient Egypt. She's actually written 30 books, she told me, and she's working on more. She's also a holistic healer for Akashic Records, Master Reiki teacher. She's a medium and tarot reader. And she believes with what she teaches to how to empower yourself. So welcome, Sonia. I'm so glad to have you here. Hello. I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> So, uh, well, I told you a little bit, like we talked, we could have actually recorded our conversation last night. It was almost like a show. And the more we <laughs> talked, the more we had in common, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that we, we found similar uh, pathways and, 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 and incidents in our lives that uh, definitely link us. Yes, I could speak a little bit of French. I actually speak it better, not that I drink often, but with a glass of wine, I relax because I speak <laughs> Spanish too. And I yeah. mix them up because I have no one to practice French with. My eldest son went to French immersion, but his father and my partner now get very annoyed if I speak French because I don't know why you would think we're talking about you. We're not, <laughs> but they don't understand. So I can't talk French in those. <laughs> That's what happens with my Spanish and, and my other language. If I, you know, like if I'm in, I, I take groups to Peru, I take groups to the different chakra of the planet. And so when I arrive in Peru, I'm, I'm feeling very green for the first day, but just hearing it, it all comes back. And then I'm able exactly. to. Exactly. That's what happens, right? Yeah. You get into, you get into the environment. Cause how I learned my grand, I always thought this was such a shame. My dad's one of 20, well, sorry, 17 children. My grandmother, bless her soul, was pregnant every year for 25 years. Good French-Canadian Roman Catholic family. But my grandmother was from Belgium. And she oh, yeah? used to speak Flemish, which is now considered a dead language like Latin. And my grandfather was so French. He had such a thick, heavy French accent. But the children weren't taught any of the languages. 
So my grandfather promised whichever of his many, like, I'm not kidding, like probably a hundred grandchildren, but whatever ones could learn to speak French, he would take to Europe when he would take my grandmother back to go visit the relatives over in Belgium. So it was like, yeah, I'm going to be that person. Unfortunately, (laughs) he passed before I was able to do that. But I'll tell you, talk about culture shock at 14. I went on a French exchange with a family I never met. They didn't speak a word of English. So it was kind of like learn, trial by ba- uh, trial by fire, <laughs> by baptism, yeah. however you look at it. <laughs> baptism by fire, yes. Well, yeah. And, and, and in, in many ways, that's the best way to learn, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. During COVID, I was, uh, we were, I was living in Quebec at the time, and we were stuck inside for months. And I, so I watched everything in French and English and Spanish and uh, German. So I was like, okay, let's try something different. And I started listening to Korean shows, but a lot of the Korean shows are not subtitled in English with the voice, just with the, at the bottom of the screen, you know, and I now can, can converse in Korean with the local people here that I've met. And they're like, wow. (laughs) Well, I learned from TV. So I learned whatever, however they were speaking, that's the accent I picked up. that though that come where English is a second language. Even my youngest son who I've mentioned, I know you, I've mentioned to you that it has a severe autism before he could speak. Cause he spoke very late. He could read. I was sure he taught himself how to read, but when he was speaking, all of a sudden he was, he was saying all these words in Japanese because he liked all the like anime, like not grown up anime, but younger kid anime. And yeah, because yeah. there's many repetitive things, as you would, you know, you would know where most people, if you've ever been around somebody with it, that they like to repeat things. So he would fast forward and rewind, fast forward and rewind, fast forward and rewind. I swear to God, he could still probably speak some Japanese, which is kind of cool because his dad's half Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess um, that's cool that, you know, some people have clear sentient, um, they feel energy, some people are yeah. clear buoyant, they see things. Um, I have this clear cognizant thing that I can pull up language from the other side and uh, be able to work with it. Um, mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've also been into some of my past lives where I healed the trauma of that life, so I'm able to access now all the, all the data that's been stored. And uh, so I, that's how I've learned about a, a lot of things about Egypt and a lot of things about uh, herb and healing. And so I've been able to bring all this stuff back and just access it. Like you go to the library and you pull a book and you start reading your book. So, yeah. I love it. You know what? Where I always like to start with people, and I mentioned this to you last night briefly, was everybody has a different story about how we're doing what we're doing in present day. So how did you get into this field? Like, how did you get into healing and recognizing you had the gifts that you have and, and the whole thing? So what what worked for you? What didn't work? Like, what, what made you realize, I guess, this was the place that your path you needed to follow? Well, um, for me, it started extremely young. Um, as mm-hmm. far as I can remember, um, I was playing with fairies and I could talk to trees. I love it. And, oh, I, I, and it. I could tell the tree... I would like you to grow a branch there so I could sit there and and I would like you to grow branches this way so it looked like a hammock so I can lay on your branches. And the tree would grow exactly how I asked. So I was able to, you know, with the tree, work with the tree and grow the tree the way I wanted. I'm from a family of eight children and I'm the last one. And there's there's 10 years between me and my youngest sibling. 
Okay. Right. So by the time I'm five, they're already 15 and older. My, my sister had a baby when I was born. She was 25 mm-hmm. when I was born. So I, I grew up very much like a, an only child, if you will, okay. even though I was surrounded by people. And mm-hmm. my parents were much older. They were grandparents already. And so um, they figure she's fine. <laughs> you know, your first baby, you're like, nobody touch him, nobody hold him. Yes. Number eight, it was like, she's in the backyard somewhere. You know, she's fine. Yeah. So I had a lot of space, a lot of explore, exploration that was possible. Nobody ever told me that the fairies I was playing with were imaginary. Nobody ever told me I was crazy or imagining things. So um, for me, I figured everybody's doing this, right? Mm -hmm. And because I come from such a large family, I didn't have, I didn't need to have a lot of friends because I was plenty entertained in the house as it was. So I was actually looking for more alone time as opposed to time with more people. And then... um, I, it was it was also a harsh environment to grow up in. Uh, my mother didn't want eight children, and so she wasn't very kind, and she could be violent at times, and so it was difficult. So I, the more time I would spend alone, the happier I was. Um, but I I could converse with my grandmother who had passed away ten years before. I love it. So she would come and visit me every night and say, it's all right. It's not going to be like this forever. You're going to be fine. And, and I remember saying, you know what? I don't like it here. I need to mm-hmm. go back. And for me, no, okay. going back, it was very clear that this, this is a temporary place. And I came here and I just didn't want to be here anymore. And I wanted her to take me back with her. And she's like, no, oh. you have important things to do. You have to stay here. Um, so that's how it began. And, um, so I, I had the ability to, when friends were having had the headaches, I said, well, I can take that away from you because she's complaining. I don't have Advil or whatever, right? I'm like, yeah. she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, look, there, how do you feel? And she's like, oh my gosh, it's gone, right? So yeah. it was grandmother from the other side that was teaching me how I to do it. this. And so uh, she she's the one who gave me my first out-of-body experience. I was about 14. And then uh, after that one out-of-body experience, then she took me to past life. She says, you need to see this. You need to witness this. So she took me to Egypt. She says, you need to understand what's going on here so you can bring this back. You have, you know. So she did a lot, a lot of teaching with me. I was um, doing meditation when it wasn't popular. (laughs) I was 14 and I was meditating an hour every day. And and I I found out about chakras, the basic chakra stuff. I was 14 and so I was meditating with my chakras and what my grandmother was saying. Um, And then I got raped. And then uh, uh, bad things started happening. And I had no one to turn to, no one to talk to. And my grandma kind of said, well, I'm done with you and teaching everything I was supposed to teach you. And she kind of left. And then someone else kind of took her place, but it wasn't the same. And so that's when I started drinking and doing drugs and trying to find an escape. However, uh, I found that when I was doing drugs, I was actually seeing less. You know, because my I ha- I'm a clairvoyant, so I can see a whole bunch of things. I can see energy. I can see. And then when I, if I did drugs or I was drinking, I was cutting off that connection. So I was like, okay, hey, that's mm-hmm. not for me. So I walked away from that. And then uh, the third dimension kind of kicked in. You have bills to pay. And I, and I needed to move out for my own safety. So I went out on my own. I was 16. Uh, but education was important. So I worked full time. And 
and I, I went to school, I, I put myself to college, I put myself to university, and I became a psychologist. And wow. uh, yeah, <laughs> and then um, I was working with children, and I felt that maybe I would be more useful if I became a policewoman, because I needed to stop the people from hurting the children. The children are innocent, right? So I joined the RCMP. Um, I was 25. I got okay. in right away. I had one of the highest scores uh, for entrance exams they'd seen in years. Um, so I was straight through and I, I joined the RCMP and I worked for the RCMP for 20 years. And uh, I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. While I was mm-hmm. working, although I was I was good at my job, right? Not being happy and not being good at a job are two different things. I was really good Absolutely. at what I was doing, but I wasn't happy. It wasn't making me... I didn't want to get up in the morning. I didn't want to go to work anymore. And you have to understand that although I I managed to talk my way out of any argument, uh, never had to fight. Uh, I interrupted fights, but you know I didn't have to fight with anybody in 20 years. Um, so it's not like I had a. It was bad in in that sense, but I just didn't feel like I was using my abilities and my gifts in the right way. I thought I'd be more useful if I did something different, something that would light my soul when I would go to work every day. Um, so after 20 years, I was able to retire. So I did um, and decided that to, I took some time before I retired and asked myself, so what makes me happy? What makes me smile? What brings, you know, what brings joy into my life? And that was definitely helping people. That was, that was a key element that, you know, transferred mm-hmm. to my entire career. But um, I didn't feel like I was helping people as much as I wanted to. And that's when I figured maybe it's time to look at myself and heal my own wounds. And before I want to do anybody anything for anybody else, I need to take care of me. And so that that's the- true. I'm going to stop you there for one sec because I'm going to say hi. We've got quite a few people joining us. we got UFO, Bigfoot. I highlighted you. Howdy, y'all. we got Zach Man says, good evening, everyone. Good to see you, Zach. I haven't seen you in a while. He's a big supporter of the show. We've got Michelle Pratt watching from Australia. G'day, Bigfoot. G'day, all, <laughs> she says. And I wanted to add a few things. I'm going to back up a little bit. You were talking about the trees as a child. Now, there's a big thing on TikTok right now. I know you said you didn't have a TikTok account. I think you had said, right? Yeah, I don't okay, know. So I'm not always on there. I kind of got in there because of doing all this. Some people use TikTok, right? And the thing that always fascinated me, but it was better to watch the people's reactions is there's this big thing. It was more in the summertime and it was standing close to a big tree, talking to the tree lovingly, sending it love. And even if people didn't understand energy, right? Like what yeah. energy is all about. They knew what love felt like. So sending it love and then asking the tree to please touch my shoulder. I encourage anybody that's out there to watch those videos because people's faces are mind blowing because they cannot believe. I, I've, yeah, like some people made, started making jokes of it. So I stopped watching it. But in the beginning, you can find some early ones. People's faces are just incredible. And I swear to God, they stand stick still. And the, the trees over here, and then the branch slowly goes over and touches the shoulder gently and goes back. Now, I pick some music, too, for this show to promote it, usually in my Facebook stories and stuff. And I picked the song, 
warrior. I'd never really heard it. I think I might have, but I didn't know the words. And it was by Demi Lovato. Because I was thinking more along the lines of your your book about Tanae, the warrior princess, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when I when I listened to the words, it's interesting what you just said about why you chose to become a police officer from sharing your own experiences and thinking, you know, I could better protect children from a police officer perspective, right? Her mm -hmm. words, there is no mistaking that she wrote those words to, to whom hurt her as a small child. And I just kept thinking children are so innocent, this needs to stop. And it's just interesting that you touched on that. So you've had an interesting life. Holy cow. So I'm, I got so many places to go to. Um, <laughs> We've got uh, Amelie Corbet, it looks like. She says, salut. Oh, Amelie, I'm glad you joined yeah, us. Amelie, salut. Uh, we have Jane E. Walker from Louisiana. Thanks, Janie, for being here. We've got Reed Speed, it looks like. He put Avatar. I'm not quite sure what that means. We'll keep an eye on that one. But I wanted to <laughs> ask you, so you might have to, most people know, that are listening may know, but I told you there'll be people that'll just drop in surfing all over. So you may have to explain the out-of-body experience. And okay. are you, if you can share, like, why your grandmother felt it was important for you to experience and and learn about Egypt in that form? Um, okay, so first for the out of body experience, I'm I'm gonna go into the teaching of Edgar Casey and perhaps um, some older folks that, if you haven't heard of them before, they're amazing people who try to bring the teachings to the main masses. Um, we are we are only human as actors the real yeah. person who we are is the soul okay yeah. so this soul has a for massive goal to become a creator and so in order to become a creator it has to learn how to create in a, a ethical way in a loving way in a compassionate way then um creator decided well let's give you a place to go experience what that looks like, what that feels like. And so we become actors in our lives. And so we need to differentiate the soul from our human life. We have many, many human lives that we go through in order to learn all these things. And since our soul is uh, outside of time and space, it is infinite, it is eternal. So it doesn't matter to the soul itself if it takes us 50 lives, 1,000 lives. It's got the time and it wants perfection. But because we completely disconnect from that very fact, then we think our lives are short and we, we press for time and we're in a rush to accomplish everything because we think we're so limited. So rather than taking something and learning it perfectly, even if you learn only one thing, we try to go in all these different directions. So the experience, out-of-body experience, was for me to understand my essence, who I am, how I identify myself is not this body, it's the soul part, the spark of light that inhabits this flesh and bone body. So this is just my body's only an instrument. Who I am is this soul that inhabits it. So by having this out-of-body experience, I can see my body laying in the bed and I'm floating in my bedroom. And it was magnificent because, you know, when you're in a pool at night and there's lights in the pool and it reflects on the, on the walls and the ceiling, yes. that's what I was seeing. I was seeing my reflection of my light on the walls and the ceiling of my room. So wow. I, it was all, I was made of light and, and, uh, and I was fluid. 
crystalline fluid, a lot like the images that you uh, I have on my new book. And um, so that was the first important thing that she needed to teach me, that I, I'm still me and I'm still alive, even though the body is no longer attached to me or no longer inside of it. So life But we is, are attached, right? Because some people get worried about that when we astral travel or whatever, right? Because we have, well, I've heard people call it many things. I call it the silver cord, but it's always attached. You will always find your way back to your body unless it's your time to transition back home, as I call it, when we leave this earth yeah. for this lifetime, this play. But it, and, everything <laughs> is a choice, and everything is a choice, which was the other important thing. Is It is your choice to stay. And that's why there's so many near-death experience is that um, they're still attached and they're faced with a choice. And uh, they're being told either it's really not your time, it's hard, but go back, or they have a choice. I was given that choice twice already. I've come and accomplished what I was supposed to accomplish. And then I was taken out of my body and I was taken to this place. Uh, it was a big consortium of uh, 12 people sitting at a, a semicircle table. And uh, there's 12 of them there, and it's the karmic board. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> and they're like, so um, whatever contract you signed and prepared in your Akashic record to come to Earth right now, you've accomplished it. So we're giving you a chance. Would you be willing to stay? And I'm like, well, given the fact that if I have to come back, I have to learn to walk. I have to learn to talk. I have to, and I have to learn everything I've just learned. Yeah, I'll stay. I'll stay. So what is it you want now? And uh, at this point, interestingly enough, all I remember is me, wah, 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 and me saying, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And wah, 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 and I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what I agreed to. <laughs> That's all fun. But all I remember is standing there going, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. No problem. No problem. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I agreed to uh, 12 new conditions. And then they put me back in my bedroom and I sat up and I'm like, what did I just agree to? <laughs> yep. Yep. And a lot of it was publishing the books that I'm publishing, uh, doing the workshop that I'm teaching, um, having this, this wellness center where people can come and, and have the retreats and heal themselves and reintegrate into the spirituality of their, their healing and process. Yeah. So it, it and it's flowing. It's flowing. It's once you're, a lot of people think that obeying divine will means they don't get to do what they want. Not true. And it's not, it's not true. It's just that you realize that, first of all, uh, the divine being, creator, God, whatever you want to call it, Gaia, uh, what is benevolent and what's what's best for you. It wants your happiness. It wants you to bring love and compassion to the earth. It wants you to raise the vibration of the planet. So it doesn't want you to be miserable. However, uh, in many cases, what projectiles us into that is drama. For okay. me, the most important step was uh, after my divorce, um, I was talking to my mom and I realized my mom's a narcissist and my ex-husband's a narcissist. And if I got rid of one, another one would just take its place. And I'm like, whoa, enough. I'm going to stop this. I I'm not continuing on. And that's, that's the point where I realized, okay, I need, I need to heal me. I need to take care of me first. Yeah. I have all these wounds and they're gaping open and they're bleeding and I, it needs to be fixed. 
So the universe um, just keeps bringing it back until we learn, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the patterns. If you identify patterns in your life, stop asking yourself, why me? And start asking yourself, what am I supposed to learn from this? And what I was supposed to learn from it was forgiveness. I was filled with anger. That's a um, hard one. I talk about it and I, I get the concept, but until you go through the healing process of the emotions around it, I think that's what impedes us from recognizing. And I'm still a work in progress, but that's what impedes us, I think, from from forgiveness. And people think that forgiveness means, you know, you have to forgive everything that was done to you. No, it's forgiving the other soul, right? And and when you do that, right, it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I want to use an analogy. It almost seems to me like you're, you're, you're filling that up with all these feelings, right, about what this person has done to you. But when we're able to let it go, it's more of a gift to self, right? It's also a gift to that person yeah, too. Forgiveness is for you. yourself first. Definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the workshops that I teach, I, I teach in a forgiveness workshop. And in that workshop, I explain, first of all, you, you, you came here with a contract. You didn't just appear out of nowhere. And you mm -hmm. ask for these people to volunteer into your life. And yeah. if you're involved enough, and there's a lot of old souls on the planet right now, if you're involved there enough, you need to be put on your correct path. And you're asking these people, help me get on this path. So I can't be mad at my mother anymore because she's the one who literally put me on the path although it was difficult and but you know if it wasn't difficult if it wasn't harmful if it was you know if it wasn't what it was then it would be too easy to forgive her it needed to be something horrific and horrible and and terrible that you can't just forgive you have to understand and go through the process in order to attain forgiveness and understand it and then apply it to everything else I'm so, going to share something here with you quickly. I don't know if it'll resonate with everybody. I want to say hi to Ward uh, Vandaplas too. Thank you for joining us because I think this will go along with it. I didn't share this with you last night, but I, my mother, my parents are alive, but in order for me to be who I need to, who I'm meant to be, not need to be meant to be, um, I had to make the decision that it's, it's time that we need to go our separate ways because I can't control what my mother does mainly. I can only do what I need to do. She had, that's her part of her journey. And the only way it was going to change was I had to step away because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But I kept asking uh, my guides, God, the angels, everybody for a way to forgive my mother. Now, I never met her father. I heard about him. I only saw pictures of him and it's kind of like the first night of, of the beginning of the paranormal experience I've shared many times on this. It was a very, it's a dream 16 years ago that happened like 10 minutes ago, this dream too. Um, I'd never really seen pictures of my mother as a little girl. There were very few pictures of her, but there was one, I think as a baby, but I woke up or I guess in this dream, I was in this garage and I was standing there and there was my mother as a four-year-old little girl. And I could see her hair. I could see what color it was. She's a natural redhead now, but she had the strawberry blonde. It was ringlets. I could describe what she was wearing, the pattern of her dress. I could see her father and what he did to her in that garage. Now, probably I, I'll try not to cry, but it just feels so sensitive about this. 
what he did to her, no child should ever, ever, ever even see, let alone experience. I don't know if that happened. But when I woke up, I had so much compassion and understanding for why my mother was the person she was today, if that happened and she didn't tell a soul about it. So we get given gifts, right? I think along the way to help us along this path, because like you said, our creator wants us to be here, you know, to thrive, to have abundance, to learn love, to learn all these things we, we, we want to learn as a soul. But I really do believe we just don't come alone and we do get many gifts. That was a gift it's yes. as painful as uh, it was and, to wake and, up. <laughs> and, and personally, I think it did happen. Because you didn't, it's, it's, some people ask me, well, how do you know it's a vision from your imagination? I said, well, first of all, would you have imagined this? No. no. Right. Um, and if you would have imagined this, how would it would have looked? And so I do the exercise. Not with, with that detail, not with that detail in any way, right? shape or form. No. Nope. Or, or you would have tried I to correct, you would have had someone come in and stopped it. You, you would, because you don't want this to happen. So you wouldn't have imagined that. So mm -hmm. um, I do an exercise with people. I said, okay, so we're going to imagine a flower um, mm -hmm. and the flower has petals. And so it could be a rose. It could be a lilac. It could be any kind of flower you want, blah, 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 blah. So then we share what flowers does everybody in the group imagine? And so we have rose, lilac, uh, I don't know, uh, dandelion, right? All right. I said, now I will share the vision of a particular flower with everyone. And now everyone is going to see this flower. And I don't dec describe the color with, I don't name it until I'm like, now, if you have the flower, if you've, if you think you've imagined this flower in your head, just give me a nod. And once everybody's nod, then we open our eyes and they write on the paper what it is that I showed them. And then we look at each paper individually and it, everybody saw the same image. And I said, that's the difference. Imagination belongs to you. A vision is something that can be shared. And there's no denying that what everybody saw it. What an incredible analogy. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Thank I'm you. serious. <laughs> Because so, I think uh, that, that that's what works for teaching. I was just going to add, and I usually do this as well, but I just love what you just shared there because I think people, you can try and teach a concept, but until you can give something real to life for people to be able to experience or be able to visualize or see, sometimes it just doesn't get through. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off with that. What a beautiful example. And this is why uh, I realized that I started um, in my healing journey. Um, and I, I worked with sound and I worked with many different people and it was fantastic. And, and then I got really busy doing energy work and doing I, I, the, either the tarot or the medium. Anyway, it was, it's my full-time job and I was busy and I was like, okay, you know what? I can't, I can't do everybody. It's just too many people wanting to, you know, I was working like 80 hours a week. It was insane. And I was like, you know what? I need to tell people about this. I need to teach people about this. And that's how, I went from a practitioner to a teacher. And, and that's when I think uh, my light is truly shining. I think I'm a good teacher. Not that you I was are a good teacher. I just told you what you just shared right there. Because no, that I, really, truly does show the difference between imagination and vision. Yeah. It does. And so my, my life has been, uh, so to go back to the divine will part, once you decide that you no longer want to suffer 
that you're done with being in pain because you don't have to be. It's your choice. Even though some people are going to say to me, that's insane. Why would I choose this? You can choose it because of subconscious belief, because you think mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're born to suffer or whatever else. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's still an unconscious or conscious choice. And then when you decide, I no longer want this. I, For me, the biggest subconscious belief change that I did for myself was I'm lovable. Because my mother didn't say, I love you. My mother didn't say, I'm proud of you, even though I accomplished all these things. There's a subconscious belief that was inside of me that said, well, if your mother doesn't recognize you, no one else will. And so get what you can, because that's all you deserve. When I was able to shift that belief to, no, hang on, I'm a good person, I'm decent, I have ethics, I'm professional, I'm loving, I'm caring, and so therefore I deserve to be surrounded by these kind of people, to be loved, to be appreciated, and my life changed. I can I ask my... you, can I stop yes. you there just for a second, because I know a lot of people, I'm going to get a lot of feedback about the show, I know I am. There are no good feedback because there are people that are going through these things. And again, just so we can make this clear, I'm no more special. You're no more special. This is open to every single individual. Absolutely. Most people I think will get that. But what you just said, you were able to shift these belief systems and you don't have to give personal experiences. I would never ask that of somebody. But how could one who's hearing this show, for example, say, I don't I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't, I don't want this anymore. What are ways that people, once they've made that decision that, you know, besides maybe working with someone like yourself, but also what could they do on their own to start this healing journey for them? Because I meet people like this all day long, okay. including so myself. I'm still working on it. Mm hmm there's great teachers that came um, to teach us. And I'm not talking just about Jesus or Buddha. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm talking about uh, Edgar Cayce. Edgar Cayce was a sleeping prophet. He, he passed away in 1945. But while mm -hmm. he was living, he would take a nap in the afternoon and you could ask him questions and his higher self would answer the questions. So mm -hmm. he would give medical advice. He would, But eventually, uh, he started talking about past life, reincarnation, karma. And so those, those, all of those readings that he's done have been typed and are being kept at the Edgar Casey Foundation in Virginia Beach. And so people can access those teachings uh, through okay. books or through online library. So that's a, a, if you're curious about that, that's a good way to find out. Uh, mm -hmm. I personally also offer free podcasts with a lot of that information to teach people the basics. So um, it's my way to give back, right? Um, it's my way to pay tithing, if you will. So they can go to my podcast channel and, and hear and choose which topic they want to learn about. And, and it's, it's not an information. I'm not trying to sell anything. So I'm really just teaching and give people information on different topics. Mm -hmm. Another person that is really fantastic in explaining the spiritual side of our lives that is missing. A lot of people have been hurt by religion by churches. And um, I, I'm trying to explain to them that the person that was part of this religion hurt you, but the religion itself, you know, um, it's, it's not what's hurting you. You're a soul and you need to be spiritual. So if you want to start your healing, you need to return to your spiritual self. Um, Cryon, K-R-Y-O-N, uh, offers tons of free uh, podcasts and free audio on his uh, website. 
he, uh, I always encourage people to listen to the parables themselves. The parables are quite old. <laughs> they came out years ago. But for someone who was asking those basic questions, uh, where do I start? What does it mean? He has a beautiful way of teaching. Um, I love his voice and I love the way he, teach, he teaches. Um, it helped me with my, uh, I had claustrophobia. And okay. There was no reason why am I claustrophobic? Right. I mean, if you've been kidnapped and sequestered, you know, makes makes sense. You're afraid to be locked up. But in my case, uh, because I was the only girl and it was six boys, I had my own room. I had the one, of, you know, so technically it was one of the biggest room in the house because it was all to myself. Uh, I had a lot of space. I've never been abducted, never been tied That's up. Like I, <laughs> but yeah, I, I had dreams of crawling through this, you know, tunnel and, and it collapsing on me and me suffocating and gasping for breath. And I remember I would wake up and I'd be five years old and completely panic. Like I'm going to die here. And I, you know, uh, they were very, very real dreams. Um, and then while listening to Cryon, he says, those are not dreams. Those are remembrance of trauma from your past lives. And I was like, oh, and he just goes, takes you through a meditation. And the healing is as simple as that. After this particular podcast or, or audio, free audio I listened to, I, I, I can say that I don't like tight space, but I'm no longer in a phobia. Right. I, I still have that, uh, but, you know, that cold thing that goes down your neck. You're like, uh, but you, you, I can get past it and I can get in an elevator or I can get in a tight room or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm able to, this is not right now, right now we're fine. You know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So um, those are great ways to, to get started and to buy yourself, you know, eventually if there's a lot of big, trauma that you need to release, you need to heal. I encourage someone to work with somebody. It doesn't have to be me, but I encourage them to find someone they trust to help them through the journey. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the people that I've worked with are very, very grateful that I was there to walk the journey with them um, because I can't, I can't do the healing for you. The mm -hmm. healing has to be an introspection. It has to be personal work. You have to be ready. You have to want mm -hmm. the change because that's the only way that's going to get better is because you're going to affect change in your life. You know, the, the adage that says, if you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, you're, you're kind of a fool because yes. that's not how it works. You know, you got to mm -hmm. change something. And most of the time, uh, it's also about responsibility. Now, I might upset a few people that are listening right now because you have to take the responsibility for your role that you're playing in the situation. Now, this is a philosophy by the Una principle of the Hawaiian people, Ho'oponopono. I love that. Uh, the, love it. The principle is, okay, so we're in a fight, and I'll take the responsibility that my expectation that I put on you are unreasonable, and that's on me, and I apologize for that. And then the other person, let's say my son, for instance, he'll say, I apologize for not being able to express myself properly and instead of talking to you, yelling at you. And then I'll say, I apologize because I also helped the, you know, make this discussion escalate and I wasn't patient mm -hmm. with you, you know, and, and, and then you, that's responsibility. It's not always a hundred percent their fault. One of the most surprising thing when I wrote my uh, biography 
um, I, I thought it was important because people see me today, they see me healthy, they see me doing well, and uh, and they're like, wow, you have it easy. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> it didn't come this way. It wasn't packaged with a bow. <laughs> I always say I go poop, uh, poop, rainbow poop, and uh, and everything sunshine and rainbows because people think that, right? Uh, you have yeah, no they problem. Do, they do. Like, I um, don't either. And, and I thought it was very, very important to, and so the book is called The Biography of a Spiritual Transformation. So it's not, a, it's not your typical biography where I say, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, right? It's, it's really um, the, the, the spiritual transformation. So the introspection, of course, I have to tell you what happened that led me to this point that I needed to change. And, but then it's, it's the story of how did this change occur? How did the transformation happen? How many layers did I have to peel? Layers after layers, um, and and it's it's not something that happened overnight. It's something that took ten years. You know, to what, I to, bet it was really healing though and transformative. Just even like you said, putting it out into a book, right? Plus, by your, sharing your experiences, there'll be things in there that will resonate with people that read it. It's, I, I, I think that of all the books that I've written, that was the toughest one because I, mm -hmm. it basically, it feels like I'm made naked in uh, downtown LA on the, you know, <laughs> expressway. I, I, everybody can see everything. Everything is out. Everything is out there. That was hard. But uh, the every time I would work on it, uh, there was a new layer of healing that happened. And I think that the biggest healing was forgiving myself for not always making the right choices. I'm very, very hard on myself. Um, I expect perfection. I'm a, I'm a workaholic, I'm a perfectionist. And uh, so that I was not perfect was, I was beating myself up over it. And so <clears throat> I originally written the book in English and I was translating it to French. And as I'm reading it, I, even though I wrote it, as I'm reading it, I'm receiving it a different way. And I'm like, my gosh, I was completely alone. I went through this with no support and I was completely alone and I was 15. So at that time, uh, I didn't have a solution. And I, you know, I tried drugs just to see if, and, and I'm not talking like heroin or hitting your heart drugs. <laughs> I'm talking about pot and, you know, but to me, um, that was big. And, and mm -hmm. I finally forgave myself. At that moment, I forgave me. So okay. there's there's forgiving other people, right? And and I think that's really really easy. But when it comes to forgiving ourselves, we're so much harder on ourselves, oh, and we need to. Do mm -hmm. Yes, we are, and 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 it's part of the journey is to appreciate. Obviously, if I go back in time with me right now into the body of that 15 year old, I would do very very different things. I would seek help. I would speak up. I, you know, I would, uh, when I was raped, I told one person and uh, they told me, well, it's in the past now. You can forget about it. Let's move on. And I, I was like, oh okay, my so God. either they don't believe me uh, or um, I don't know. I'm, I'm now I'm not very confident about going to the, to the police about this or, you know, and it took me what, 15, 12 years. And uh, I finally did. I finally did because I realized, my gosh, if I don't try to stop this guy, um, he's just gonna keep doing it to yes, other people. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, but I was strong enough at that point 
confident enough that I could do this. And I did. And um, <clears throat> the guy didn't really get anything from me coming forward. But because I came forward, the other woman he raped also came forward. And apparently with her testimony, then he went to jail. So, uh, but for me, it just provided me closure that, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. Took me a long time to get there, but I, I finally spoke up and I finally said, I'm not a victim anymore. Uh, what, what, what happened was wrong. And then I became an advocate. A lot of my police work was to work with children and teenagers and, uh, telling girls, you know, you think you're ready and then you realize you're not, it's okay to say no and walk away. And, and, and I was telling the boys, you guys, uh, you know, you have one track mind, but sometimes uh, it feels different on the receiving end. And you have to accept that she thought she was and she wasn't, and you have to let it go. And, and trying to teach them as much as I could to prevent victimization of other women and girls and, Right? We have to get out of our victimhood. We have to take our experiences and build from those experiences something to help the community. A lot of people ask me, well, how do I find my soul's purpose? Not everybody's soul's purpose is to do what I'm doing, right? Exactly. Um, uh, but your soul's purpose is something that will make you happy. It's something that makes you your soul sing. But it's also something that is beneficial not just to you, but to the community. So, um, you know, that it is digging wells in Africa or that it is volunteering to coach a team. Um, you know, you can change people's lives by doing these things if you do them wholeheartedly from the heart. And so mm -hmm. your soul's purpose could be something that other people will say, well, that's not even spiritual. But because they misunderstand spirituality. Spirituality mm -hmm. is about loving, caring, compassion, forgiveness. So as long and as you service to others so rather than just service to self yes exactly yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of people and i'm seeing this happen in certain avenues and arenas is that and it was something that brought this up recently it was a video or something i was watching and i really thought about it and i'm seeing it it depends and i think we have to go where we feel where somebody is sharing something or teaching or whatever it may be, we all connect with others, right? So it's mm -hmm. got to be with us, but I'm seeing that in certain arenas, the title of spirituality has just been ex exchanged with religion. I'm seeing mm -hmm. a lot of that. And I'm not saying religion is a bad thing. It works well for people, certain people and what have you. But what I'm saying is we're kind of getting back into the adage of service to self versus service to others or, or what, you know what I'm saying with this. And I think people that are hearing this will see, see it too. There's, um, and, and you could, you could exchange a spirituality title with many different things that it's about service to self rather than service to others. And it kind of gets lost in translation. So if somebody's looking for, I know the answer, but I love the way you're explaining things for people who are looking for a place to start, like they they're looking for a community. What are some of the things that maybe people should keep in mind or that you would think might be helpful for them to keep in mind not that you would ever tell people what to do but you found helpful maybe for yourself uh, i um well in my in my in the biography i say that i felt like an orphan even though i was i had seven siblings and a mother and a father i mm -hmm. didn't feel like i belonged there 
And then I, mm -hmm. I figured, oh, maybe, you know, I'll go to college. I'll belong to this group of people because, you know. If that's where I, what I'm talking talking about this type of thing you're explaining thank you yeah and so uh but that that didn't work for me and then i went to university and i'm like for sure for sure like everybody's there to you know to study the same thing we're gonna i'm gonna finally connect with people didn't really connect with people not on the level that i was wanting i had friends i talked to people and all that you know but um i was having a hard time finding that community to belong to um then i joined the rcmp and now it's you know, we all go through the same training in Regina. We all wear the same uniform. We're all there to protect the law, the citizens. And yeah, no, still, mm -hmm. I was always the odd duck out. <laughs> um, and then I tried joining different churches because I figured, okay, well, you know, obviously my connection has to be in my beliefs. It's not so much in my doing because in the doing, it's not working, right? In the doing was the psychology, it was with the job and I wasn't connecting there. So I was like, okay, I'll try to connect spiritually with people. And I joined church churches mm -hmm. and uh, uh, didn't work. I was meeting nice people, but I wasn't, they didn't get you were me. You were at home. You were, didn't feel like home, no, right? No, they, they didn't get me. You know, some people, uh, I went into, uh, I love studying. I'm a, I'm a, I love, that's what brings the teacher in me is that I love researching, I love learning, and then I take all this and I bring it and then I simplify it and I explain it. And so you don't have to spend the thousands of dollars I spent traveling and learning, I'm offering it to you, right? And um, I went to a, a monastery, uh, Tibetan monastery, and I was there oh, for wow. a week. And uh, not realizing that I was studying under a Rinpoche, that's actually a big Rinpoche, but to me, he was just another guy. And I just got to sit and talk with him and learn from him, you know? And someone from the church said to me, I'm afraid you're losing your faith. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, okay. um, you know, it has nothing to do with it. I still believe uh, in Mother, Father, God as a trinity. I still think that Jesus is my buddy because I can talk to him. Uh, when I was a child, um, my mother was a Catholic, so she forced me to repeat these prayers uh i had like 10 or 12 i had to say every night on my knees by the bed and then she'd leave me alone and then i'd jump into bed and now i say now let's talk and I, that's yes. how i addressed god it's like now my day was this way and i would tell him about my day how i felt who i think needed uh energy or at the time was like well protect my friends this one's having a hard time in math and i would i would talk to god like i would talk to a good parent I was because gonna say your father, I, your mother, yeah, like yeah. who, and, and who that's how, yes, yeah, and that's how I view this entity, this greater power, as a benevolent parent that I can talk to and confess into, and then it's you know I said, well, I don't know if they talk to you or not, but blah blah blah, right? It wasn't gossiping; it was saying this person needs help. I can see that, or or I I have an exam tomorrow, you know, so make sure that my you know I'm yeah, I would just have this chat, so. um I would never lose my faith. It's it's part of my every cell. I believe. I've been to the other side. <laughs> I see what happened when your your physical shell dies. I've talked to uh, beings from different planets. I've talked to my ancestors. I've I've experienced things that you can't deny. When I went to Egypt, I was walking in the temple of Philae. And the temple's been moved from the river because they flooded the area for a dam. 
but they moved it to solid land. And so you, now you can walk on it. And um, while I was there, I could see in color, right? I could see I was literally transported to 4,000 years ago, what they were doing. And I was telling my friend that was with me, I'm like, this is a birthing room. This is where they gave birth, blah, 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 blah. And this is a temple. And, I, and I'm seeing it. So I'm just describing it. She's like, did you read this in the book? I'm like, no, no it's happening right now. Um, we have this ability to transcend the time and space. In this case, I, I was in the space. I just transcended in time. In other, in other times, you're, 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 it's happening today, but I, it's happening in Germany. And I can be in Germany and witness it. I, we have this ability. The only limitation is is the limitation we put on ourselves. There is no limitation. To understand I'm, that. Sorry? To understand that is, is the simplest of things, and yet it, it blows people's mind. And your mind needs to be blown. And once it's been blown, then you can accept, you know. Simplicity. Okay, so I'm going to share something here, too. I've been sharing all kinds of personal things. That must be my new thing this year for the podcast. <laughs> that I was hiding them it just but I something to support what you just said um I was on I don't go on lots of different podcasts as the same as yourself and um I had said to the host they messaged me it was like quarter to one the night before and I just happened to be up I'm a nighthawk and they said listen I promised all my my viewers this uh, psychic medium was supposed to come on and do some readings to as my way to give back to my community and he wasn't able to do it do you think you could you could do that tomorrow and are you free by any chance you must have apologized 10 times and I said well of course yeah we've got to help each other out I'm free absolutely I'm honored that you would think of me and he kept apologizing and I said there's no need to apologize if I wasn't free I would have told you I'm so sorry I'm not free I said but the one thing I do not want to do is mediumship readings and this is why sometimes it takes me a little longer I like to have a picture of the last picture before they've passed and be able to see their eyes and their face and what have you. And I suppose they're so personal and sometimes it takes me a little longer yeah. to connect. So I said that when I went on the podcast the next day, it was live and he had repeated it and he knew this. So the first person comes on this stream and they say, I said, hi, you know, it's so nice to meet you. How can I help you? Well, here's this. I, um, I, I don't really have another question because really all I wanted to do was talk to so-and-so. And I'm going in my head to spirit collectively going, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? So the whole show was mediumship. And I'm so grateful. It was very healing. I got some great feedback after. But I had to have a conversation with spirit afterwards. And for people that think that I sit here and talk to no space, we don't. You can have it in your head. And I'm going, what? The H-E double hockey sticks was that. I did, And of course, I said the word. I, and they go, well, what do you mean? I said, I'm sure you were aware I did not want to do this. And I'd made this clear. And they said, yes, we were aware of that. I said, well, then what was it about? Were you able to do it? Yes. Were you able, you know, to make a connection? And it was able to help people for the reasons why you've, you've agreed that you would do this? Yes. And they said, what did that teach you? And it literally came through so clear. I'm standing <laughs> in my own way because of the belief systems and the limitations that I had set for myself. Right? I, yeah, absolutely. I want to share something. Uh, I took a group absolutely. to Peru. 
And mm -hmm. uh, while we're on the group to Peru, uh, this is a this is a the sacral chakra, the earth, and so we're it's about relationship. It's about the group, right? And so. Mm -hmm. Every day I'm doing exercise. We're doing the tourist thing, but every day we're having these ex ex experiences and perfect moments, right? And this mm -hmm. particular lady is getting messages. And she's like, well, I got a message for you. I got a message for you. I got a message for you. What she doesn't say is she's pissed off because she's not getting message for herself. She's getting messages uh -huh. from her. So she doesn't tell me this, but you can, she, she's, I find people easy to read. <laughs> You can feel it. <laughs> I'm just like whatever. And then I guess she's she she says, well, if the message are not for me, I don't want any messages then. And what but this is all in her head. And then what happens is another person who's actually learning how to do this is starting to get every message for everybody. And she's like, Can I share? I got this message. I'm like, go ahead, go ahead. So a few days pass. And then uh, this lady is now comes to me really upset. She's like, I'm not getting anything. There's no more images. There's no more messages. I'm like, <laughs> I said, um, you're the one who said, if there's not going to be messages for me, I don't want any more messages. She's like, right. I said, you have to understand, you can get messages all year round. These people can, cannot get the message themselves. You, universe was using you to deliver these messages to them to help them during the stay here in Peru. It was your community work. And then after you leave Peru, you'll start getting messages for yourself again. She's like, I'm very sorry. And we all, she's looking at me. Very sorry. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm okay. Oh, that's so funny. That afternoon, she started getting visions and messages again. So the universe is, once we're done with the drama, once we agree that we don't need the huge drama to slap up in the face and wake us up every time, we can learn our little lessons that way. And it's nice because it didn't harm anyone. Nobody suffered. And, you know, she she only took a few days and she, she got around and she figured it out. So I think that um, we need to get out of our own way. We need to start... Um, we start little. I mean, if you would have told me that I would be here right now when I started off, I would have said you're insane. But I it, agree. I, um, I, it didn't even take five years for me to teach in Europe and in Australia. You've been all over the world. So let's talk about that, Sonia, because you wrote 30, <laughs> 30 books. And mm -hmm. I want to talk about your newest book about the 13th chakra. And I, I don't have the title in front of me. Please forgive me. I'll let you repeat, obviously, what you what, it, what the, the official title is. But why did you call it that book? What's it about? Because I heard you mention something in that story, which I appreciated, and I'm sure the listeners will too, is that you were talking about the earth chakra being in Peru. I get it, but people may not. But before we go any further, I want to remind you, if you're just tuning in, you are listening live to the Angel Rock on 105.3 out of New Orleans, Louisiana, as well as all over the world. Um, if you want to, uh, we have some comments and questions here. If you want to participate, please head over to UFO Paranormal Radio Network, either on Facebook, the page, or the YouTube channel. Go ahead. Sorry, I asked a question and left you hanging. Go ahead. <laughs> Is there, are there any comments or questions that... 
people have there's been a lot of people saying hello and what happens is a lot of people listen so you guys if you do have some questions and comments or you want to share leave them here because we said hi to everybody and then people got quiet i think they're just listening but they will well, that's they, will. <laughs> they will um i'll head over to the page too and make sure that i can uh uh in case i miss it go ahead so it's the 13 chakra system of ancient egypt um okay as i the, the book is really important because uh, a lot of people know about the seven chakras, uh, yes. but they, they, they're missing a few and they're important. Uh, one of them is behind the nose and that was the manifestation center. So if you're not saying, I any didn't energy, know that. Yeah. Yeah. So behind the nose in the Egyptian system. So the system, the seven chakra that were brought here were brought from India and uh it, it he himself when he when he talked about uh the these the system he says it's a much more complicated but i'm trying to keep it simple so people will learn about it because it was brand new when they introduced this um you know he wanted people to get on board so he simplified it to the seven why because okay. he was a really good marketer and it was the color of the rainbow and it's fantastic but there's there's oh, more yeah. to it uh, the other one is right here where you see this this tattoo. It's the second heart. So the um, Egyptian believed that you have a physical heart that's pumping the blood into your body. But um, also um, the heart of your spirit. And that's the link. These two hearts have to be unified together. When they're beating together as one, they turn gold. But when they're not aligned or they're not beating together, they're green and pink. Um, it's not it's not bad. <laughs> at least if they're beating, they're open and they're circulating energy. At least it's a start. Yes. Um, and the Egyptian recognized that we are soul beings into an earth incarnation. So they, they think that the earth chakra was very, very important. You, you have to bring yourself to be tethered to the earth because you're having a third dimensional experience. And so people who are aloof, people who are missing appointments, people who keep, you know, missing deadlines or having a hard time making appointments, they're not tethered. You need to be anchored into this dimension to function in it. It's not my, pref it's not my preference, right? I'd much prefer to be on the other side, but I can't be on the other side and I, I need to be here. So I need to check the time. I need to be organized. I, I, need, I need people to help sometime, but... <laughs> Um, that's one of the other chakra. And then they also recognize the soul star chakra, which is, um, to be connected to your soul, to be able to communicate with that soul and receive guidance from that soul. Mm -hmm. Um, so the chakra is, um, uh, is the heart that pumps the energy, not just through your physical body and your organs, but also to your, um, emotional body and uh, your mental body and your spiritual body. So your mental is not just in your head. It's all over your body. That's why right. when people have depression and their body hurts, it doesn't just hurt here or it doesn't just hurt in your heart. It hurts everywhere because you're, you're covered all of your body. There's another bigger body of energy for your emotions. There's another bigger body for your mental, your thinking, your curiosity. So when I written this book, um, I explain if you're blocked at certain chakras, what does that look like in your physical body, emotional body, uh, spiritual body, and mental body? And then through, you choose aromatherapy, color, food, crystals, uh, yoga, mudras, meditation, whatever technique you're akin to, 
is it's all in one book. So that's really, really handy. Can and, we talk uh, about mudras? Mudras, because I don't know a lot about them myself. I, I'm aware of them, but I'm sure there's people hearing that going, what the heck is that? Could we talk a little bit more about that? Sure. A mudra okay. is yoga for the hand. So even though um, a yoga for the hands. Oh, yoga for the hands. Okay, got it. Right. So it's different hands position that you will move your fingers in certain direction or um, hold them in, in different space. So depending on what chakra you're working on, I describe the, the, the positions of the fingers and the hands so that to facilitate the frequency of energy that we want to achieve for that chakra. Okay. And uh, the new book that just came out uh, December 23rd is the sister version of this one. And yeah. um, because this one is more your po pocket format. So you can take you to the store and you can look, okay, which crystals do I need or which aromatherapy do I need to buy or whatever else. The new one has the pictures of all the mudras. So instead of just following the explanation, there's a picture to assist you in achieving the correct position. Okay. Uh, same things for the yoga position. And then we added 203 crystal uh, appendix. So you have the picture of the crystal and the description of the crystal. Uh, and, and how is it that their color or frequency is helping which chakra? So it's, I love it. it's, I, I, it's, we, we looked at how many references book went into writing the book and we have four pages long of references. Wow. So it, it, yeah, so it, it was like a hundred books into this one. And again, the idea was to simplify the knowledge so that everyone can use it. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know anything. It explains the basic and it takes you along the way. Like someone says, okay, well, let's say I want to work with color. And you're saying that my throat needs energy. Like in my case, I'm wearing blue because I'm doing a lot of talking today. So this mm -hmm. color is the frequency of my throat. And so it gives energy to my throat just by seeing the color and wearing this color. But you can also put it on your wall. But if some people say, well, I live in a condo, I can't paint, then go to the dollar store, buy a bunch of construction paper, pull all the light blue out and make yourself a nice big square and look at it. Uh, even if you're not sitting and staring at it, if you walk past it, you'll see it. Just keep having this color in your environment to help the frequency stay where it's supposed to stay for that particular chakra. Uh, another example is someone is telling me they do a lot of anxiety at work. It's a, it's a competitive env environment. They're not allowed to use scent, so they can't do aromatherapy. They can't bring crystal because it's a government office. I'm like, okay, well, why don't you bring a picture of a bunch of yellow rose bouquet? It's an image, and they won't say anything about it. It's just an image. It's not something that will create a controversy, <laughs> right? And the yeah. fact that you have this yellow supporting you throughout the day is going to assist you in your solar plexus to be more confident in your abilities and in your work and to project that energy outwards so that less and less of that drama will be attracted to you. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, because that makes so much sense. Right. The same reason I, I it's so interesting. We're, well, you know that everything, nothing's a coincidence. I was having a conversation with somebody today 
And they sent me a video and they asked my thoughts on it. And it could be a little controversial, I guess. But by like I said, I, this must be the year for me to share more personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Not that I ever hid them. But I, I had, I related something that was not even related to this. And it was somebody sharing their thoughts about something on a video. And, you know, I always say it's not my job to judge, but this involved that it was, they'd literally been the victim of a crime, like the people within their house. They happened to open the door crack and see the perpetrator leaving out. And they didn't call the police like for eight hours later. And at first, the first thing I jumped to, I'm going, why would you not call the police? But what happened was, happened to see a couple other videos talking about this. And I got to see the other perspective. And I should have realized this, but this is something where we need to forgive ourselves, I think, right? Like it was beating myself up over it afterwards. And I realized, no, obviously, I wasn't seeing the other side. Whereas this girl probably was so terrified, mm -hmm. so frozen in fear. And to be able to see it from the other perspective of just rather than seeing the report of this girl saw the perpetrator closed her door and then didn't call the police for eight hours, right? You know where I'm going with this? So we were talking mm -hmm. about this, about seeing things from all different perspectives. There's a reason why I'm bringing this up. So what I get from what you're sharing is, say, we have a chakra that we need to work on that we're encouraging it from a, a variety of different arenas that will all target it to help anchor that energy is what I'm saying. So to me, it would help it come in a lot quicker. You'd be able to work with it a lot better because you're not just using one arena. You're using, like you said, yoga, you're using the color. Maybe there's aromatherapy, maybe there's crystals. Am I, did I get that right? Like, Cause that's what I'm trying to say. It's giving you a more well-rounded holistic approach. It's it, it, the way we I written the book is I wanted to make it accessible for absolutely everyone to be able to work on their chakras. Uh, mm -hmm. On my podcast, there's free meditation of the clearing of the chakra, so they can go there and get the free meditation, and then they get the link if they in the book, or you can go to my channel. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> but someone who doesn't have a lot of money to buy essential oils because essential oils can be expensive, yeah. or to buy crystals. Um, it's okay. You can just start at the dollar store and work with color. You have to eat anyway, so you can work. So you're with giving food. people options too, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So it's every budget. No one can tell me because someone told me once I'm too expensive. Well, I said, well, hang on a second. <laughs> you're paying hang for my on. time experience and you know, so I, I am worth this. And so, yes, you have to pay. However, I hear you and following that comment that's when we started doing the free podcast and the free youtube videos and then when i wrote this book i, I kept that in mind not everybody can go and buy 300 dollars worth of crystals i get that so what can we do in our everyday lives to help us manifest the frequency that we need because we're energy right and so it's all a matter of energy so it, it the books explain also the tv shows you're watching the music you're listening is also affecting your frequency so you need to start cleaning not just your floor and your room you need to clean what you listen to what you're watching what you're reading you, you need to change right and then um you have to eat so we if a certain chakra needs assistance there's certain food that will help the certain chakras so you just mm -hmm. can buy those foods. Um, the, the dollar store is, is really cheap. 
you know, for $2, you can start working on yourself. All the meditations are in the book. The meditations are free. You just need to start working with yourself. The mudras are simple. It's just your hands. So I recommend that you do the meditations along with the hands position because it amplifies the energy that you're trying to produce. If you already happen to have crystals around the house or you're a crystal person like me <laughs> and okay. you have them, then uh, it tells you, okay, well, then this crystal can help you with this, you know, and, and we present different ways of working with crystals. So um, the idea is you can use the 10 different techniques or you can just use three. It, it's, it's up to you. There's a freedom of choice and there's, there's a freedom of financially uh, to be able to participate and do the exercise. So that was the point. I was thinking you were coming from, I, to me, this is much more practical because we hear this ourselves that, you know, and it can be expensive, but then again, you also said something else that if somebody's ready to really make that change, right? Sometimes we got to, like I've taken many courses too and being a single mom and sometimes things are very expensive. That's where I was going with this whole story and I got a little bit off track was, was, was the question she had asked me. And I think it's a, a rightful question is how do we let go of fear? Because we were talking about all these different topics, right? This video that had been sent out, we had seen a clip of it for five seconds and it could be a controversial topic. But where I was going with that, we don't always, we didn't hear what this was all about. We saw this five little cl second clip on a newscast, an independent newscaster making a big deal. Of, well, I might as well say it because it's not, not a secret. It was a person performing in drag. And it's probably going to get people riled up too. That they uh, were, they were prancing joyfully down the aisle of a church with a Catholic school. And there was a lot of okay. comment. And I said, we didn't see the whole perspective because first of all, and what I explained was where I live, when I was forced to go to church as a child, they were building the church. We went to our school and we had church there on Sundays, but nobody mm -hmm. took into effect all the other stuff that probably went on during the day. My whole point was maybe this was the biggest place to hold a congregation within this school is the church. Does this mean that, that you know that god isn't there or anything no that doesn't mean anything right and my whole point was i said i you know we were talking about this and i said i i think that as a parent i would want to know that to be able to make my own decisions but my point was we don't know why that person was there in drag they were helping i think to be inclusive by helping to bring somebody in for for pride week but the whole right. thing is we didn't know if that person was up there talking about how to support these young people, say, if they maybe weren't. I mean, the, the, to be you know realistic, no, if you're in a school somewhere, mm -hmm. there are children in that school that will be gay, uh, they will be pan, they will be bisexual, they'll be whatever. My eldest is gay, yeah. so I know, I know that, you know, I was very open about it. I knew before he did. And so I was, I'd gone to talk to somebody to see how could I best support him when he's ready to come out. But not and every child has that. And, and, no, they need and, and I think to have an environment where the inviting someone who is in drag uh, mm -hmm. to come and, and show this is my expression of who I am and I feel yes. comfortable. 
and to see that people are respectful of that in, in that environment, then may yeah. have that person to, at the very least, not jump up from their seat and say, yes, that's me, but start being able to say, I, I feel that, you know, I'm not, I'm not attracted to boys. So I don't know what that means. I, you know, I mean, I, I work with a lot of people and uh, when they come to me uh, and they, a lot of people come to me with different identities. Uh, so there's, you know, they call themselves they, and I, I say to them, I said, well, I don't, I, I said, you can create terms for that. But I said, I always refer to myself as me, myself, and I. So in a way, I, I've been saying I'm a day for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I, I, I recognize that I'm part feminine and I'm part masculine. And uh, as far as I was concerned, 30 years ago, it was nobody's business. <laughs> but now no. um, people are open and they're discussing it and they're approaching the idea and it's evolving and it's fantastic. So... Um, you, you can't my whole something. point though my whole point was and and she wasn't being judgmental because my son my eldest son does drag I, I i don't hide it he's been on here he did his makeup one time and we talked about it because i wanted people to see from his perspective also brought up that back centuries ago women weren't allowed to act so men did dress up in drag to play the women parts and plays and stuff we've been men and women in past lives but my whole point was that we didn't see the whole picture and i think that that's what's happening nowadays in different arenas right is not we don't get the whole picture we get a little snippet and then we, you know what, and, and I think what we do is we end up, and I'm not saying you or I, I'm saying we, the global we, tend to yeah. jump on the bandwagon about this little bit we've seen, instead of maybe stacking back, taking a breath, and take, taking a look at the whole, the whole. Yeah, well, you know, when you see posts, and there's like either Keanu Reeves or Morgan Freeman, and they say, Morgan Freeman said this, I'm like, I'll believe it when I see a video of Morgan Freeman actually uttering those words. Because yes. everybody can take a picture of Morgan Freeman and say he said this, right? So mm -hmm. I, 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 and and that's the problem is things being taken out of context. You can, Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can make anybody say anything if you just cut some parts out and you just, you know. Um, so I, I'm always very careful uh, with those things. I always say to people, well, go to. Well, the they story. had just asked my thoughts. They had asked my no, thoughts. No, my thoughts and yeah, go to the source, uh, ask for the whole video, ask ask questions. If this is important for you to find out, then then find out. Yeah, but I think this is what's happening and where part of my message has been, and again, it's not with judgment, but I've been saying that if we could agree to put our, our differences aside, our disagreements aside and unite together as one, there's not much that we could not do do right you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying like with even yeah. like the last three years let's not dis disagree and have these little little arguments and little whatever yes that, that's part of the learnings per experience and part of why we're here i get it but what i'm saying is i think we're being diverted away from why we're here if you will like you when you started the conversation you said we're basically actors yes we are but to be able to join together is where I was going with this and to also realize that we don't always have the real picture. You being as an RCMP officer, for example, and I know you were in a very unique, very much needed genre, but say for a car accident, right? You could have 20 witnesses all witness the same car accident and all give you a different perspective of what happened, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. uh, based on your position, based on your perspective, based on your first, you know, how much traumatic was this for you? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, people will catch yeah. on some details where others will have a more general picture. Everybody's different. Um, I didn't mean to get off track there. I don't know how I even got there, but it was a, it's a, something I think food for thought for everybody. If you're hearing this is sometimes we don't get the full picture. We just get a snippet. So back to yeah. your books, because I, I asked you quite a multi-layered question there. When you were talking a few, a little bit ago about Peru and you said that I, I'm not going to word it oh, as yes. beautifully as you did. One of the earth chakras. Can you explain? I know what that means, but for our listeners, because this is really cool. I think I've always been fascinated. Well, as, as chakra have roles in our body to circulate the energy, and that's basically what's keeping us alive. Um, so does the planet. The planet is a being. It's a, a large scale being, but a being nonetheless. And in different areas of her body, which is the planet, they are centers of energy just like us that uh, create the same frequency as the chakras inside of our body. So for the base chakra, um, it's uh, Mount Shasta in California. For the sacral chakra, it's the uh, Lake Titicaca in Peru. Yeah. So when you're on these areas, these either mountains or lakes, uh, like in uh, for the solar plexus, it's Uluru in Australia. Uh, when you're in those centers, you can connect with the earth and have her frequency and help you clearing whatever damage is lodged there and, and heal whatever has been trapped inside of it. Um, one of the ways that I work is I look at consciousness level. And so there's, there's 12 consciousness level and at each consciousness level, there could be a injury or a trauma that takes away your power and, and your energy. So eventually most people make it to maybe the fourth or fifth level of consciousness. They can't get past that because there's too much damage. And so, you know, it's like a car, you have a bender on a fender bender. It's okay. But uh, you hit something head on. Well, good luck. You might get need to get towed to your destination. You're not going to get there no matter how much you try. Right? right. So it's the same idea. Uh, and when I'm taking groups to these different locations all over the planets, the idea is to go and harness this energy to help relieve and heal those great traumas. And um, I always work with the indigenous people in those locations. So when I'm in California, I, um, I've been working with the uh, Navajo and the Hopi. And when I'm in mm -hmm. Peru, I'm a recognized shaman in Peru. So I'm able to bring people with uh, shamanic experiences and healing in those places in particular. I have a question for you that yeah. just came to mind. So... What are your thoughts? And again, I know we're not coming from a place of judgment, but because I think it's become in vogue and a lot of like celebrities and what are doing this with ayahuasca. Now that's a very oh. sacred system. Well, I'm sorry if I hit a red, touched a red button here, but I think it's important for people to recognize the sacredness yeah. of this and, and what's being done with it. I will share with you what I share with all my students. Thank you. Uh, drugs is is not uh, is is not a solution. However, the ayahuasca ceremony is a spiritual ceremony. 
that is to be supervised by your shamanic healer. So it's not something you do every Friday. It's it, and most most of the ayahuasca anyway that's outside of Peru is often laced with mushrooms and allucinogenics, which is not the true experience of ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is a plant. Every plant on the planet has a consciousness and a, and a personality, and her her role. Her energy is to open your consciousness to what lies beyond your own imagining and your ability to phantom. So when you take ayahuasca under the guise of a true spiritual shaman that is there to open you up because you're blocked, you're stalling, you're, you're jammed, you can't go any further. I've taken ayahuasca in 2006. And that allowed me to soar and to see what's next. What's, what am I to work towards? It's like piercing through the ice and going, oh, okay. And, and then you come off the ayahuasca and you go back. And now you have to do the personal work. You have to do the, the, the introspection and the meditation and the work and the healing to pierce the ice on your own. That took a journey of almost 10 years from me. Once I was finally outside of that layer that I pierced through with the ayahuasca and went back, and then I made my way out of it, and I was now on that level of consciousness, I went back and I've taken ayahuasca again. So it took me 10 years before, not because I don't have access to it, but because it was not necessary for me to take any more. You don't want to use drugs as a crutch. You want to use the drugs to help you see this is what's possible, and then you have to do the work to make it possible. And so after that, that, uh, that second time where I was actually initiated as a shaman in Peru, I had to do it three days in a row because the first day was about opening into the, what the, the cosmology of the Peru uh, belief is the middle world. And then the second day I had to go into the underworld and go see what I buried there and I had to pull it out. And then the third day, I was able to go into the spirit world. And in that magnificent experience, because I had cleared all the garbage, I was free. And then um, I saw Gaia come out of the forest, you know, pick me up. And of course, they don't physically pick your body up. They pick your soul up. But the experience is just as real as if it's happening in your body. And, and she picked me up like a child, like a baby. And she hugged me and hummed to me. I heard the sound of Gaia. And I, I was rocked for hours. It was magnificent. And I was able to stay in this altered state for almost, I'd say, 36 hours. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and ayahuasca, normally what happens is that once ayahuasca has done its work, you it comes out of you, right? It's done its yeah. work, so you you vomit. vomit um, yeah. And the third day, I didn't even vomit. Mm -hmm. The third day, I just it just assimilated into me, and I was in three days in that magnificent experience. And mm -hmm. the idea is to was to teach me you can be in both state. It's a little weird if you have to walk in traffic. <laughs> so now. Uh, when I go somewhere, I'll usually tell people, okay, uh, now I'm connecting to the other side. So most likely we'll forget my glasses, we'll forget my wallet, I'll forget to pay, I will not see the red light. Uh, so 
um, you have to walk around me and you have to make sure you pick up after me. Because I'm mm -hmm. completely, I, I'm barely in the third dimension. I'm barely like uh, pulling the strings. I love it. And, and I want to say hi to Dave. I want to say hi to Faith and Inspire Transformation. They said they're late, but they're, Faith said um, she's late, but she got here. Good evening. So I didn't mean to stop you there, but I really appreciate you sharing that experience. Because yeah, so I told you, you're gonna, I'm going to have to have you back on. We've, we've got less than half. we got about 20 minutes left. And I want <laughs> I told you it was going to last night. I said, I always tell my guests about this time. They go, what? What? I thought only like half an hour had gone by. So could you tell them? Because I think this is really phenomenal. You shared this last night, this series you were writing for young adults. And I won't say much more because you say it so eloquently and so beautifully. So this so is the initiation. This is, this is book number one, the initiation. And uh, this is book number two, The Apprentice. Now, the books, all I do is all about energy and chakras. So in the first book, she's dressed in red because it's about the base chakra. So her experience in her initiation, she gets trapped inside this uh, cave. And um, it's all about finding her point of base. So not the root, because the root in the Egyptian system are in your feet, really your base, meaning your, your flat ground, your family, your security, your, you know, your grounding. So she goes through multiple experiences. And one of the experience, and I wrote this in 2005, and took me a year to write it, a year to find an agent, a year to get it published. So it was a long process at first when you're not known, right? The people, it takes, it takes a while. Um, but in the book, she has to climb into this well. And uh, she has to swim in the darkness. And she has to have faith that she, by, with her intuition, she's going to the right place, right? So she does, then she doesn't know how long it's going to take. So she's, I'm, I'm giving her a, and out, I'm giving her the intelligence to bring a straw so she can, you know, she can kind of breathe as she's not really swimming, but, you know, walking yeah. through this tunnel of water and she makes it and she's fine. Uh, 10 years later, in 2016, I went to Egypt. And while I was there, I was visiting the temple of Sobek and Horus. And at that very temple, there is a well that the adepts used to walk down and have to swim into a tunnel and and choose the right direction and when i was when i'm writing these books these books are very much channeled more than they are written they they're they're writing themselves you know i'm like oh hang on hang on i'm, I'm trying to catch up to to this adventure and that's it, what and you I'm, said last night you can't type fast enough as it's coming right and and i see it when I, the way it it shows itself to me is i see it like a movie so i'm trying to describe the movies the smell and everything that's going on so um, when I have uh, the book's been reviewed and one of the reviews said uh, it felt like I'm there. It feels like I can smell them making the food. It's, you know, so it's amazing to me that I'm able to translate that into the book. And uh, in the second book, um, the apprentice, she's wearing orange for the sacral chakra. And this is about appetites, about desires, about relationships. So she leaves her family and she goes to boarding school. And uh, it is a different boarding school because they're survivors of Atlantis that went into space. So it's a different kind of school. It's, they're still humans, 
but they they remember how to use telepathy they remember how to use telekinesis and so they're not magicians but they have these powers and now she's going to this school and she's realizing oh not everybody has these abilities oh okay and and she's not sure if she needs to bend in or if she needs to stand out or you know all these questions that teens will ask themselves as they're growing this was for me a way to heal my story because it's my story it's me going to school and me realizing not everybody is like me so what does that mean am i crazy and all of these questions and allowing all these young adults to read this it teaches the principle of um, spirituality and you know you were asking how do people learn where do they start well she starts with meditation she starts with chakras she starts with energy she goes into a different journey so this is a journey for her and i'm right now i'm writing number three so number three will be out yeah, and that's a solar plexus solar plexus Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it'll be the solar plexus. So she, we already have the book cover, which is unusual because you don't usually get the book cover until the, the book is finished. But uh, the book cover is uh, she's wearing a yellow, uh, yellow jacket and a yellow backpack. And then the title of that book is The Seeker. And who is she seeking? She's seeking herself. And because it's the solar plexus, it's about finding who she is, what are talents, what is, what is she going to do with this life? Um, because now her, she has very strong beliefs that she grew up with. And now she's been confronted with a society that, you know, they're opposite. They don't jive. She says she needs to find where she's going to fit in that. What's going to be her role? And I'm going to give her a little bit more wisdom than I have. <laughs> and what's, Maybe, her what's her name, Sonia, in the book? What's her name? Tinay. I thought that, okay, so Tinay, the warrior princess, and the how we, I thought that it was, and I didn't ask you that last night. So the reason why I'm so excited about it, because when we talked about it last night before the show was it's in the fantasy genre. Never yes. mind. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to share why you originally did this series with. Well, I don't know. Uh, if you well, it was originally, first of all, um, there's it's the idea is based from um, I want to teach and I want to reach young people. I, I get a lot of people in their midlife crisis. I get older people, but I, I want to reach to the younger people. Um, and I figured this is the genre they're, re they're reading so that I should write to be able for them to get it. When I did the book tour across Canada, when these books were, were out, I, I had adult people say, well, I'm not interested in fantasy. I want the real version, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want the fantasy. So I, so I wrote the biography. So these people are satisfied. <laughs> But for to reach out to the young people, I thought, you know, I'll use the fantasy way to, to get a hold of them. And the only other person that I know has done something similar is James Redfield. When he wrote okay. Celestial Prophecy, he incorporated the, the nine prophecy to help us learn basic principles of spirituality through an adventure. And if you were really curious about that, then you could go into it, the experimental guide and do self-exercise and you could grow from that. Um, the fantasy books are there to, to anyone who's new to spirituality. So although the errand is 14, um, when it comes to spirituality, you might be a teenager. 
you know, you might be 50, but you're still a teenager. So I've had people. Well, what I was going to add, and I won't give away anything personal, but when you started rewriting these books, you had noted this was before, um, it's not Mockingbird, the one with the female. Um, yeah, the, the, the Mockingbird, yeah, so Catching Fire or uh, Divergent. Yeah, but there wasn't any female heroines, especially for female, strong female heroines for as a role model for young females when we talked about this last right. night, right? Because I grew up with the Disney princesses, and they all have to be waiting in a castle somewhere to be rescued, right? Yes. And I was like, I have, I have a son, and I have two daughters, and I. I wasn't going to say that. We talked about yeah. that, but I thought if we wanted to say it, you would. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so my son has plenty of, you know, imagine. It, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm into fiction. I love it. He has plenty of role models that he can pick from, but my daughters had nothing. So I originally just wrote this for my kids. And uh, when I finished writing the, the first book, someone read it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is really good. You should get it published. I'm like, oh, don't know how to go about this, but okay, I'll try. And so it's, it was, it's been written for the pleasure of sharing um, the inner power that a bit inhabits you and to trust in yourself and to grow in your power. So uh, even though the heroine the is a female, it doesn't matter. The way it's written is that you can put yourself into the shoes of this individual and say, okay, I can change this. I can change this. I can make a different choice. I can, it doesn't exist. All right, well, I'll invent it, right? So it gives you that power to transform, transform anything you want to change in your life and gives you your power back. So, yeah. So that's the inspired transformation says I didn't aspire to be a Disney princess. I was totally Xena warrior princess. <laughs> and Dave says he just finished reading the Celestine prophecies. So Dave, I encourage you now to go and to the um to to get the book The Experimental Guide of the Celestine Prophecy. And in the book, let me tell you about Dave, though. Dave has been on the show before. He is an astrologist. He is American, but he's been involved with Oak Island and the Oak Island uh, filming of the TV series. And so he usually asks really complicated questions. He's been he got here late tonight. So he's I shouldn't say complicated, <laughs> very interesting, deep questions he will ask usually so i was surprised like i said he just popped in about 20 minutes ago so i was surprised he was quiet uh, michelle says um love celestine prophecy she said she couldn't read the 10th insight i'm not quite sure what that is you may know what it is uh the 10 insight is the second book and then okay. there's the 11th insight and the 12th insight I know that personally, when I got to the, the 11 Insight, it's happening in China, and it woke a lot of stuff up from my time in China in a previous life. So I had to put the book right. down for several years before I could pick it up again. I And, and that's the way it works for me. Um, when something gets woken up, I need to stop what I'm doing and deal with what's been awoken and then heal it and transform it. Oh, okay. So that came back up again. I uh, highlighted the wrong comment. Um, we didn't even get into past lives yet. I don't think we have enough time. We have about 10 minutes because I'd like to talk about, like you told me last night, you've written 30 books. So what else have you covered in your books? Because I want people to check them all out. You're an amazing lady. And I'm so grateful. Our friend Rain, who has been on the show before, uh, introduced me to Sonia. And I'm so glad that she did. Um, the, one of the other books, a uh, series of books that I've written was about the Reiki, Usui Reiki Ryo. 
and uh, it talks about the basic methods for the four four level. And um, there's also a fifth book um, that is about Reiki uh, Universal. Um, there's a controversy out there that you know that some people are changing what Usui Reiki was, and so it became something else, and then they they included religion in it, and then, and then causes issues for me because I teach Buddhist people Reiki, I teach Muslim people Reiki, and so if we're going to start talking about Jesus, I don't have anything against Jesus, but um, <laughs> it'll come, one paragraph at a time. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it has, it, Yusui was always inclusive, so we have to go back to the inclusiveness, so I've written a book on universal Reiki, which is... Okay. Uh, a lot about the um, the background that I come from, the shamanic background, and explaining from, and a lot of my podcasts are presented that way. If I talk about the sacred feminine, rather than saying, well, the, the sacred feminine is Isis. Well, she's one representation in the yes. Egyptian mythology of the sacred feminine principle. And then in my other podcast, I will cover Mary Magdalene, I cover Kuan Yin, I cover White Buffalo Women. And I, I explore from the different perspective. So we were talking about perspective before. I will explore the different perspective of all the different cultures, going back to the main teaching of these deities and what were they trying to help us transform through their teaching. We have a question. Yes, White Tara. One question for people that are listening versus watching or on the replay. Um, has Sonia heard of White Tara? And does she know if she knows anyone that had a visitation from her? I work with I work with her. And if you go to my podcast, I have a specific one with White Tara for 90 minutes. So I'll explain the teaching of White Tara, how you can invoke her, how you can work with her. That's the whole idea. Right. I'm here not to uh, I'm not I'm not bringing as far as I'm concerned, anything new to the table. E even these books, I don't feel they come from me. I just feel that's that's the message that needs to be put out there. And I'm just the conduit for all of this. Um, okay. And so most of the podcasts, uh, it's a, an accumulation and summary of all the readings. And I mean, I, I literally have a library in my home. So um, I, I may have written uh several books but i've written i've read thousands and i felt she that has, which she told me last night she's read stacks taller than herself when she's writing a book she said <laughs> so um the and and i felt it was going to be a shame that if all of that would get lost i have this innate ability to be able to summarize things so i can I, and i have a photographic memory so i'll remember something i read 20 years ago so I'm able to, as I'm reading some new material, I, I started doing, oh, but this book talks about this and, and that book. And so I brought all these books together and I'm looking, and are they all, are they contradicting each other? Are they reinforcing each other? And that's how the podcasts were born. And then I present all of this in the easy to understand way so that you don't have to go read obscure books that I've read. <laughs> Faith Inspired Transformation, you're the first person that I have heard of that has heard of Tara. She has told me she was 65,000 Earth years old. Interesting. Yes. Uh, well, I, I and you see, that's what is funny sometimes, right? I started studying meditation and, and chakras. I was 14. So um, 
meditation is very much influenced by Buddhism. And um, so I've, I've spent time in monasteries for um, studying meditation. And one of these uh, stay was on the Tara, not just the white one, but also the green, the blue, the red. Uh, the Tara comes in many different variations of colors. And I thought it was very interesting since I work with colors and chakra. And so the different stays that I do in those different temples, I'm learning from the, all these Rinpoche's and these different masters. Um, how to connect with with the, that particular practice. So I, I spent a, a weekend manifesting white tower with a whole bunch of other people. So it was pretty pretty magnificent. So if you're curious about white tower, um, I don't know where you live, but if you go to one of your local temples, uh, Buddhist temples, the books are always by donation. So you can probably pick up some books, particularly about white tower. And you just have to give them a donation in exchange. So. Well, thank you for doing that. Well, we are out of time pretty well. So um, I'm going to let you please. Well, before I do, I'll add this quickly. Um, guys, please tune in Thursday night this week from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when I will be back with my co-host, David Hansel, for a new podcast, uh, The Thing at the Foot of the Bed. And we talk about some of the things we've talked about tonight, some of the paranormal things, and we share with you from our perspective um, what we receive from spirit or our own life experiences to answer the best to our abilities. And I will definitely be having Sonia back on because she's incredible <laughs> and amazing. So Sonia, please tell them everything. Where can they find you? Where can they find your books, your podcasts, everything? Uh, I think it's, I, I try to keep it really, really, really simple. Uh, just go to my website. So www.sonyaroy.com. On the first page there, you'll see the links to the YouTube videos, to the Facebook Lives, to the podcasts. And uh, there's a, a, a thing there for shopping. So you can pick whichever book you're interested in, uh, interested in and uh, order them there. And um, I, they're available worldwide. And I work through Amazon. So there you go. So that, that's the easiest oh. way to find me. And, and on the website, there's a contact form. Um, so you can, and you can, there'll be the messenger pop up. So you can talk to me through email, through messenger, plenty of ways to get a hold of me. But the website is the easiest place to select what's best, what works for you. And there you go. Like we got feedback from uh, Michelle in Australia. She says, thanks. Awesome show as always. Thank you. I will definitely Michelle? be having, okay. I want to say to Michelle, if you follow me in some other ways, um, I'm okay. I'm going to Australia to teach, so we might get a chance to meet. Lucky girl. <laughs> <laughs> we live pretty far away. Away, you're you're a couple provinces away from myself, so Canada is so big. So lucky you. Um, I will definitely be having Sonia back, you guys. We didn't even get into like past lives, and there's so much to talk about. I hope that she comes on uh, often. I think that's going to be in itself uh, a whole a whole discussion, just past lives and traveling uh -huh. to past lives, feeling and you know the Akashic records. And so I think that in itself is just yeah. And fascinating. I love talking about it. I love talking about all these topics, but I want to thank you for being here. She goes, let's put that in the calendar. But I want to tell you guys, if you ever want to get a hold November. of me. What's that? November. She wants okay, to know when November. in her calendar. 
uh, I go to Australia and I, I do my uh, Southern Hemisphere stuff in uh, November, early December. Oh, cool. Because um, I, I, we were lucky we squeezed her in because she's going overseas very quickly. But I got like one, two minutes to tell you guys. So I'm going to let you know. If you ever want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me on facebook.com forward slash angel rock show idea. Maybe you've got a guest suggestion. You want to book a healing session or some readings. I'm going to try starting to go a little bit more live on TikTok with my friend Dave over there. So if you're not on there, um, I will post it all on my social media when I do. And I'd love to see you on there. We're going to try a couple different avenues. Um, like I said, please stay tuned. Join me this Thursday with David. And next Monday, I have on the show, she's been on before, Katrina Cooper. Those of you that maybe follow Paranormal Soup or what have you, you've seen her before. So she will be on. She's going to be talking about connecting with animals on the other side. So um, thank you. Um, she Faith Inspired Transformation. I know who that is. I think I'm pretty sure. She says, thank you. I love this topic so much. So thank you, Sonia, for being here. You're amazing. Thing. I can't wait to have you back on. It was a pleasure. So, I'm very grateful. Thank you. Well, thank you. So safe travels with your, tra I'll talk to you anyways. I'm going to send you links to the show afterwards. That's a reminder to you guys. If you didn't see this or you think this is something appropriate for other people, there's always replays and we are carried anywhere where podcasts or talk radio is carried. If you can think of it on an app, we are carried there. Also there's a replay on YouTube as well as my Facebook page. Um, all over the place. So please share with your friends or anybody, family that you think that this might be appropriate for, as well as a network, because we have something for everybody on this network between live hosts, new shows, we've got syndicated hosts, and then there's always the archive server with previous shows. So thank you so, so much. Love you all. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you might be. We'll see you on Thursday with the thing at the foot of the bed. Bye-bye.